Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Amen, amen. You, you know, uh, there's no doubt that if I walked around the room and began to ask everyone in this room what Jesus is to you, I would get a lot of different answers. I would get many different answers. Some of you would say that Jesus is my Savior. Some of you would say that Jesus is my Lord. Some of you would say Jesus is my healer. Is there something I need to fix with the mic? Is it good? Everything's good? Okay. Uh, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my Savior. I would get varying answers from every person in this room. Uh, And the truth is, is that all of those things would be true. All of those things would absolutely be true. But but I, I was curious what the world says about Jesus. And so if you get your answers from the place that I get my answers, Google. Come on, I Google everything. I love Google. Like, I'm curious about everything. So I find something, I'm like, somebody asked a question, I'm like, I don't know, let's Google it. Like, I love, I, I told my kids, I was like, I didn't have Google growing up. They're like, did you have running water? I'm like, yeah, we had electricity, we had running water, we had all that, we just didn't have Google, right? Like, I Google everything, and so I was curious what, what Google said about this, and so I, I looked it up, and I, I just t- typed in the search engine, who is Jesus? And, and when I hit enter, I got one point, over 1.6 billion results. That's a lot of results for a simple answer. 1.6 billion different results on who Jesus is. Now, just side note here, because I think sometimes we look at million and billion and we're like, whatever, it's no big deal. But, but did you know that a million seconds is 12 days? A billion seconds is 31 years. Like if that kind of tells you, so when somebody says they're a billionaire, it's a big difference, right? Like so, so there's 1.6 billion different results on Google on who Jesus is. And every one of those answers, we have to understand that not all of those answers can be correct. There has to be some wrong answers in there, right? Like there has to be some stuff that's just far off, like like there's no way that that's correct. But we also at the same time have to say that there's no way that they could all be wrong either. Like there's some things in those that 1.6 billion different results, there's some things in there that are correct about Jesus. Now before I go any further, I would just like to say this, that whenever I say that Jesus is something, I'm also saying that there's something that Jesus is not. Let me give you an example. Like if I say that Jesus is love, I'm at the same time saying that Jesus is not hate. If I say to you, Jesus is good, I am also at the same time telling you that Jesus is not bad. Are you with me? Like, like when I say Jesus is something, I'm also at the same time saying that there's something that Jesus is not. And, and I love this. In Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he asked them this question, who do you say that I am? Like, like who, do you, who do you say that I am? Now, just before this, he asked, who does the world say that I am? Who do the people around you say that I am? And some, said, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Like, some, some say this. But then Jesus asked a very pointed question and says, who do you say that I am? 
Can I just tell you that there's a point in time in your life where you're going to have to determine who you say that Jesus is. It does not matter who your parents say that Jesus is. It does not matter who your pastors say that Jesus is. It does not matter who your granny says that Jesus is. There's a time in your life where you're going to say, this is who I say that Jesus is. A research study done in 2020 asked Americans the question, who is Jesus? And 52% of Americans answered the question saying that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but he was not the Son of God. 52% of Americans said this. Now, C.S. Lewis actually came against this very thought years and years ago that Jesus is a good moral teacher. In fact, this, this has been something that's gone around for a long time. That Oh, well, Jesus is just a good moral teacher. He has some wisdom. He has some, some good thoughts. He has some good teachings out there. And C.S. Lewis actually came against this very thought in letting them know, like, this cannot be the case. And C.S. Lewis went on to even go so far as to say, you can only say that Jesus is one of three things. You can say that Jesus... Jesus is a liar, you can say Jesus is a lunatic, or you can say Jesus is Lord. That's the only three things that you can, like if you look, read the word of God, that's the only three conclusions that you can come to as a person. And the reason why those are the only three things that you can come to is because he's a liar because he is not who he said that he was. He's a lunatic because he believed that he was something that he was not. Or he actually is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I would say this, there's a time in your life where you're going to have to say, no, he's not just a good moral teacher. And he doesn't just have some good things to say. Like You're going to have to come to the, the conclusion of Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Son of God. He came to this earth. He died on a cross for my sins. Like, like There's a decision that you make, have to make. Who is Jesus? For every person in here that says that Jesus is Lord, I would just say this, that, that there's, there, we can look to his word to see who he says that he is. Like I know that you would define Jesus this way, but Jesus defined himself. And I love in John, Jesus gives us seven I am statements. And all of these I am statements are different and they reveal something to us different about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine. Right? Like Jesus said, I, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Like he went on and on. And every one of these statements reveals something to us different about Jesus. But I love this because all of them also reveal something very similar about Jesus. And that is this, is Jesus said that I am. Notice this, I am is a present tense statement. So Jesus said, I am the vine, I am the good shepherd, come on, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the door. Like Jesus is saying this, and he's using a present tense statement. He's not saying that someday I'll be, one day I'll be, maybe I'll be, I could be. Like he doesn't use that. He says, I am. And what Jesus is letting everyone know is that right here, today, I am exactly what you need. So if you came into this building needing peace, Jesus is your peace. If you came in needing joy, then Jesus is your joy. If you came in needing healing in your body, can I tell you that Jesus is the healer. He is a present tense God. It's not one day. It's not someday. It's not could be. It's not would be. It's right now. Whatever you need, Jesus is what you need. I am. We serve a right now God. Not a one day, not a someday, but a right now God. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light. Of the world. I am the light you're looking for. 
Now, light is very powerful. In fact, I would say that every day we use light and we take it for granted. It's something that we just always have. It's something that we, the only time that we really miss light is when the power goes out. And you don't have light, right? Like the power's out, and you're like, oh man, like you're looking for breakers, you're trying to figure out how to get the light back on. In fact, most of us would walk into a dark room, and we just flip a light switch on, and we just expect the light to be. Light is something that we use every single day. My wife was actually putting up groceries the other day in the kitchen, and it was kind of dark, and she had the fridge open, she was putting stuff on uh, up, and the light was off, and I walked in, I said, would you like some light? And I turned the light on, and she goes, oh, thank you. Why? Because everything's easier in the light. Right, like, it, it, like sometimes you could be working in the darkness, and then all of a sudden you have light, and you go, "Oh, thank you." Come on, all you dads know you better hold that flashlight on the engine. Don't you move that flashlight, son? Like, and you know, if you're like me, you got ADHD, and you're like, "Look, it's a cricket." It's, and then your dad's mad, like you're, you're in trouble, right? And because uh, light, light is important. It's something that we need. And uh, I, I would say that we use light every day. Come on, you use light at night. You turn your headlights on. I hope you turn your headlights on at night. And you drive. It gets you from where you are to where you want to be. Light is something that we use. Have you ever noticed that everything is a little bit scarier in the dark? All you macho men are like, no, it's not. I'm not scared of the dark. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everything's a little scary. Like what looks normal in daylight can look scary in dark. Like, it's just one of the, like, it's just, it's just like, it looks spooky. You're like, what's that? Like, I don't know what that is. Like, uh, like, like everything looks a little bit scarier. Now, now for, for, uh, I, I love to hunt. I, I'm a hunter of all things. And so, uh, if any of you have any pesky deer that you need to get rid of, I'm the guy that you're looking for. Shameless plug. But I love to hunt and, uh, I, I, I was duck hunting with a friend of mine and I'd never been to this pond that we were going to, and it was, it was on his land, and uh, we were going out, and, and uh, we're riding in his ATV, and we're, we're headed out to, to this place that I'd never been, and, and, and for those of you that don't hunt, you need to know that hunting always, nearly always involves you getting into the woods long before the sun comes up. It's always dark, right? And again, everything's a little scarier in the dark. And so uh, we get to, we're, we're cruising along, everything's good, we're having a great conversation, talking about all the, the ducks we're going to see, and like, it's going to be awesome and amazing, and, and we get to the place that we're at, and I've never been to this, this section of woods, I've never been to, on this land, and, and so we get there, and he, uh, he parks the ATV, he turns the, the engine off, and he shuts the lights off. Now then, I'm sitting there in the darkness... And I'm like, okay, I can't see anything. I'm looking around. I'm trying to find stuff. And I go to my bag, and I begin to look for a flashlight. And I can't find a flashlight. And, and apparently, I had forgotten to bring my flashlight, uh, which now I'm in an area where I don't know where anything is. I don't know how to find anything. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm in the woods in a place that I don't know. Lucky for me, my friend had a headlamp. Now, here's what you need to know is that me and my friend were close before. But when it's dark in a place that I've never been, in the scary woods, we got a whole lot closer. Come on, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put my hands on your hips, homie. Like where you go, I go. 
Like every breath you take, every step you make, every branch you break, if you yell snake, I'll be right with you. Like, why? Because light is powerful. We need light, right? Like, like, and if I find myself in a dark place, I need, and I honestly always look for the light. I always run to the light. I follow the light. And I love this passage of scripture because sometimes I'll just say that we, we understand what it's like to be in a dark place in the physical, but what happens when seasons get dark in your life? What happens when one day everything was going good and everything felt like it was on the up, like everything was going so great in my life and everything was smooth sailing and man, it looked like I was going to get the promotion, but now I lost my job. Like, like what, what, ha- what happens when you find yourself in a dark season of life and depression creeps in or anxiety begins to creep in or, or dark thoughts begin to creep into your mind? Like what happens in that scenario? Like we find ourselves in a dark season and everything feels really scary. And I'll just say this, that it's in those seasons that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light that you're looking for. Like when you find yourself in a dark season, in a dark circumstance, in a dark situation, I'm the light that you should run to. I'm the light that you should follow. Like Jesus isn't just here for the good times. Jesus is here for all seasons of your life. It's in this season that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But he goes on to say, but there's a catch. If you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Notice that it says Jesus is the light. I am the light that you're looking for, but you have to follow me. You have to be a follower of Jesus. And I think this, I think in today's world, the word follow has a lot different meaning than it used to have. Come on, we, we live in a social media society where it's like, do you follow them on Instagram? Yeah, I follow them on Instagram. Like, I follow them on TikTok. They're so funny. Like, we, we live in this world where we choose, like, I'll follow them one day and I won't follow them the next day. And I think that sometimes we end up living our lives exactly the way that, that, that we follow people on social media. And so we end up scrolling Jesus' feed. And it's like, oh, I heart that Jesus. Love that Jesus. So good. Retweet that. Like, like, I'm going to post that. That's so good. Don't like that, Jesus. Not a fan of that. Ooh, Jesus, what were you thinking? Like, like and, and we're picking the bits and the pieces that we want and that we like of Jesus. And I'll just say this, that whenever we dissect this word, we are beca- saying this, that Jesus is only a good moral teacher, and I only want the parts of him that I want. And so what a lot of people have done in today's world is they end up muting Jesus. And I, I, I'm not going to listen to anything Jesus says. I, I might come to church, but, I, but, but I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to do what I feel. I, I'm going to do whatever my heart tells me. But can I tell you that the word of God says, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus isn't a way. Jesus is the way. Like, this is the only way that you're getting there. I am the way, the truth, the life. 
We have to be sure that we're following him. 60% of Americans say that they're Christians. But what is a Christian? Isn't it interesting that 52% of Americans said that Jesus is a good moral teacher but not the Son of God, but then 60% say that they're Christians? What is a Christian? The first time that we even see the word Christian being used is in Acts 11.26, and it says this, that they called the disciples Christians for the first time. And, and what Christian means is little Christ. And so what they're saying is, is these people act differently than everybody else. When uh, my, my uh, dad is Terry Sparks, Dr. Terry Sparks, and, and, and whenever I've had people many times come up to me and say, you know what, you're just a little Terry. And what they're saying in that moment is, is that you act like your dad. You talk like your dad. You have the same sense of humor as your dad. You walk like your dad. You're clearly better looking than your dad. <laughs> but when they say that you're a little Terry, they're saying you behave and act and, and have the same mannerisms as your dad. And I would say this, that maybe we have become too flippant about the word Christian. Because whenever I say that I am a Christian, what I am saying is that I walk like Jesus. I talk like Jesus. I behave like Jesus. And 60% of Americans are saying that I am a Christian. And, and, and the reason why the, 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 the disciples were called Christians for the first time is because they walk like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. They behave like Jesus. They, they did what Jesus, they didn't take the bits and pieces of what Jesus said and dissect them to whatever fits my lifestyle and whatever I feel right and whatever I, it's my truth like no it's Jesus is the way the truth and the life they weren't called Christians because they did all their home decor shopping at Hobby Lobby they weren't called Christians because they had a live laugh love sign above their dining room table they weren't called Christians because they wore a t-shirt they said, Jesus and coffee, keep this mama running. <laughs> Can I tell you that they weren't called Christians because they went to church on Christmas and Easter? Uh-oh. They weren't even called Christians because they raised their hand at the end of a message and then went out and lived however they wanted to live. They were called Christians because they live like Jesus. They behave like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. They walk the ways of Jesus. Come on. They, they sacrifice their lives for Jesus. I love this word here because Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world if you follow me. And the word follow here, I love this. It says, the, the, the actual meaning of this word follow says to follow someone who takes the lead in determining the direction of your life. So I would ask you this question, who's determining the direction of your life? If you say that I'm a follower of Jesus, can I just tell you that following Jesus is a call to commit? Ooh, we don't like that word commit. I don't know about you, but I want a money back guarantee. If I buy something, I want to know that I can take it back, no strings attached. 
Like, like I can, I, it's just like, okay, it's no big deal. I'm going to send it back. I'm going to take it back. Come on, Amazon Prime, send it to me. Send it back. I don't want it. Like, like I want to know that I can take it. If I buy an airline ticket, I want to know that I can cancel at any time. Like, I, I want a money back guarantee. But can I tell you that a call to commit, anything in, wor- in life worth having involves commitment. So if you want to have a great career, guess what? You're going to have to commit. You can't go from job to job to job to job to job and end up at the end of your life and think that you're going to have a great career. You're going to have to commit, like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is the route that I'm going to go. If you want to have a great marriage, guess what? You're going to have to commit to having a great marriage. That means that your spouse cannot be your second choice. It does not mean that your kids are ahead of your spouse. It means that I commit to my spouse because I'm raising my kids. Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting on to something. I'm raising my kids to leave. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date my wife so that she can stay. Uh-oh. I always get pushed back on that. Kids sit in society. But, but, but I, I'm going to have to commit to have, that makes, I make date nights a priority. I, I, I make my spouse a priority. I love my wife. I, I spend time with her. I ask about her interest. Like, it's a call to commit because I know that having a great marriage is a call to commit. I have to commit to a great marriage. And I'll just say that if you want to have a great spiritual life, you're going to have to commit to having a great spiritual life. You're going to have to make a decision that I will follow Jesus. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what my friends are doing. I don't care what my family's doing. I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus, there's no turning back. It's a call to commit. That means that I commit to what he says. I commit to what he tells me to do. So if his word says tithe, I tithe. Uh Uh-oh. If his word says to, to love, I love. If his word says to forgive my enemies, I forgive my enemies. If his word says to serve others, I serve others. If, if his word says to be generous on all occasions, then I'm generous on all occasions. Like I'm always looking to God's word and saying, God, whatever you say to do, that's what I'm going to do. You are determining the direction of my life. See, there's a big difference between calling Jesus your Savior and calling him your Lord. When he's your Savior, he's your ticket to heaven. When he's your Lord, he commands you here on earth. Okay. Because I'm a follower of Jesus, it's him that's determining the direction of my life. Number two, following Jesus is a call to change. Did he say commit and change in church? Susan, get your purse. We're out of here. He's cussing in church. It's a call to change. I I love this. My dad was... He would tell you that uh, he was an old dope-smoking hippie. He grew up in the 60s and 70s, and he loved drugs. Did a lot of drugs. I think he did enough drugs for me and everybody in this room. And, um, but, but the truth is, is that my dad said that whenever he gave his life to Jesus, he said, I, I felt so free and so light that I went out to celebrate, and the only way that I knew how to celebrate was to get high. So my dad gave... Jesus his life and then went and got high some of you are like well he didn't really get saved oh yeah look at the fruit of his life but here's the thing is that as he followed as he read his word as he went to church 
as he continued to follow Jesus, there was a day that came along when someone offered him a joint and he said, no thanks, that's not for me. Why? Because it's a call to follow Jesus is a call to change. Well, no, this is just who I am. And this is just the way, well, anger just runs in my family. No, a call to follow Jesus is a call to change. Meaning there's nothing off limits to you, Jesus. Whatever you want to deal with, you deal with. Whatever you need to address, you address. David said this in the Psalms. He says, search my heart and make me clean. I know that ain't popular preaching, but, but it's not my way. It's what Jesus wants to do in my life and through my life. That means this, that Jesus will mess with your stuff. I'm just telling you right now that when you say, I am decided to follow Jesus and you commit to, you, you commit to him and you commit to change, I'll just say that Jesus messes with your stuff. That means that you're not going to be able to talk the way you used to talk. You're not going to be able to say the things that you used to say. Come on, you're not going to be able to watch the things you used to watch. You ain't going to be able to cuss people out in Walmart anymore. You ain't going to be able to tell your boss what you really think. Like, I'll take my earrings off, girl. You need, Don't even say it. I will say it. Like... Like, you don't get to do that anymore. Now then, all of a sudden, now I'm a follower of Jesus. And man, I gave them what I thought, and I told them what I thought. And Jesus comes knocking on the door of your heart and says, hey, you need to go ask them to forgive you. Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. Because I can't live how I used to live. I can't do the things that I used to do. The voices that we listen to and the people we follow will always change who we are. And I'll just say this, that we can't maintain who we used to be and become who we're called to be. You can't. Some of you got your foot over here and your foot over here and you're living on both sides and you're wondering, why is this Christian life hell? And I'm just telling you, it's a call to commit and a call to change. And when you go all in, I promise you there's no better life. So I'll ask you this question, what are you asking Jesus to change in your life? How about this, is there anything in your life that's off limits to Jesus? Come on, is there the Sunday you, and then the Monday you? Or are you saying, here I am God, you can have all of me? 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So who do you say that Jesus is? And if you say that he's Lord, are you truly following him? Are you truly walking with him? You're not perfect, but you're in process. Are you walking with him? There's a blessing in Jesus' day that I loved. I came across this in my study, and it said, It was for disciples, and they would bless disciples by saying this, may the dust of your rabbi's sandals be upon you. And what they're saying is, may you follow so closely to your rabbi that you can tell where they've been, because where they've been is all over you. And my prayer for this church is that we would follow Jesus so closely that you can tell where Jesus has been. Because where Jesus has been is all over us. Can I pray with you right where you are, Lord, right now? I just thank you for your word. 
Lord, I thank you for every person in this place. Lord, that today we're challenged by your word. But God, we live with a... Lord, Lord, we leave here today with fresh commitment. With a, a fresh desire to change. Lord, right now in this place, for every person, Lord, if there's any area in our life that we have made off limits to you, Lord, we say change us. Lord, point it out to us. Help us to change. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're in this place and you don't know Jesus. You've never asked him into your heart. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. But today you'd like to. Today you want to decide to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a God who wants to walk with you. Maybe you're in this place and you say, Brian, I prayed that prayer. I've asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. But truly, I'm not following him. I put Jesus on mute. I'm not following him. But today, I want to rededicate my life to him. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you walk down an aisle. I'm not going to call you out. But I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I just want you to be bold enough wherever you are to slip your hand up right where you are. I just want to know who I'm praying for. You can put it right back down, and we're going to pray a prayer together as a church family. And I believe this. When you pray this prayer, if you believe it in your heart, your life will never be the same. Say, Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time one. Brian, today I'm rededicating my life to Jesus too. Brian, will you pray that prayer with me? Three, just wherever you are, you can slip your hands up, put them right back down. Okay, amen. I see those hands. Hands everywhere. Amen. I see those hands. God loves you, friend. Amen. See those hands. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Can we pray this prayer together as a church family? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Take my sin. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for every person that prayed that prayer today? Amen. Hey, just, just real quickly, you know, we're approaching Easter, and there's, it's very well known that the, the people that won't come to you, come to church on a normal Sunday, are willing to come on Easter. And, and, and I love this because I've just told you that Jesus said that I am the light of the world. But he goes on and he lets us know that it does not stop there. Because in Matthew 5 16, Jesus is talking to us and he says, Let your light shine. Let your light shine before men. And I'll say that Jesus is letting us all know that he has given us light so that we can share that light with others. Uh, I don't know if y'all, any old school people here ever grew up with one of these. Come on, you go to a concert. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feet. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? You, you go, you, you not, I'm not talking like all you kids that grew up in a car seat. You don't know what I'm talking You can't be trusted with open flames. You grew up wearing bicycle helmets and not knowing what water hose water tastes like. Where are my old school people at? Come on. But every one of you, come on, you got a phone. Pull your phone out and put your flashlights on. There you go. Come on. If you don't have a phone, I'll pray for you. I ain't buying you one, but I'll pray for you. Here you go. Let your light shine in your workplaces.
Let your light shine in your schools. Let your light shine at the grocery store. Let your light shine before your coworkers. What Jesus has given you, go and share it with others. Stand on your feet. I'm going to bless you. Can I have my prayer partners come forward? We're here to pray with you if you have any needs. We believe in the power of prayer here at at Celebration Church, and we believe that God's going to do great things in your life. Don't leave here. The Bible says that if any two touch anything agreeing, it shall be done. And I believe in the power of prayer, so come up if you need prayer for anything. But Lord, right now, I thank you that you bless them, that you keep them, that you cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, I declare right now that everything that they put their hands to will prosper. God, that your blessing goes upon, uh, goes upon them and before them in everything that they do in Jesus' name. Bless their homes, bless their businesses, bless their families. Lord, right now I just declare that to this week, as we go about our week, that God, that you're opening doors for us to share the light that you've given every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.